0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. group prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, I'm Matthew Wolfe, and you're listening to my podcast. This podcast is the best bit from my weekly radio show on Wizard Radio Station every Sunday from 3 till 4. What you're listening to is taken from live radio, but this is a podcast, which means it is obviously not live. So please do not try and get in contact with any of the live details you may hear me mention throughout the show, as your messages will not be received, but you may still be charged. All of our terms and conditions for getting involved can be found on our website, www.wizardradio.co.uk. Also, as this is a podcast, some of the information we give about news stories may have been updated or changed since our broadcast went live. The information in this podcast is accurate and correct as of the time the radio show was originally broadcast, but might not now be accurate. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss the live radio show every Sunday from three till four, where you can get in touch live. Welcome to the podcast. As always, we've got two great topics that you're about to listen to now. The first topic is about vaccinations. I asked all of the listeners what they think about how the UK government are rolling out the vaccination programme. I also interviewed my grandma who received her vaccination just two days before the show went out. If you want to hear her first-hand experiences about what it was like arranging the vaccination and also receiving it, listen on. Hopefully you'll find it insightful. And later in the show, we discussed the horrifying and once-in-a-lifetime events that went down at the US Capitol as protesters and rioters stormed the building, leaving senators to feel unsafe. I asked you what you think that signifies for the future of U.S. politics. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Wizard Video. I'm Matthew Wolfe, and for the next hour, and at this time, every single Sunday, I'll be discussing your thoughts on the biggest current affairs and political stories of the week gone by. After the shocking events in Washington DC on Wednesday, I want to know what you feel the legacy of those horrifying events will be on US democracy. Is there more trouble on the horizon, or will the U. administration help ease national tensions? And for our other topic, I want to discuss vaccines again, the UK government have decided to delay the second jab to millions in favour of giving as many people as possible the initial level of protection that the first dose offers. Do you support that decision? I spoke to my grandma who received her first dose on Friday to ask for her views firsthand. As always, you can contact us, tweet us or DM us on Instagram and Twitter, or are at WizRadio. Text us at no extra cost, only standard network rates apply. On 07807 183 Email us station at wizardradio.co.uk and all of our contact details are on our website www.wizardradio.co.uk. This week there's only one place to start. On Wednesday afternoon, as the US Congress was certifying the result of November's presidential election, supporters of the incumbent President Trump violently stormed the Capitol building. People were pictured in the Vice President Mike Pence's seat, the Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi's nameplate was removed and numerous rooms were defaced and windows smashed. There were shocking images of the Confederate flag being raised inside the US Capitol building, something that has never happened in America's history before Wednesday, even during the Civil War, in which the Confederacy were defeated. One police officer and four of the mob have died in the events. Just moments before the attack, subscribers to the Donald Trump campaign were sent a text reading in all all capitals, happening now, President Trump needs you to stand with him, a thousand percent impact. And Trump's cease and desist message actually praised the rioters as he warmly told them, we love you. Trump has since been suspended from Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for, violi- for violating their terms by inciting violence through continuous false claims of election fraud. Later in the day, as the chaos began to be controlled, Congress reconvened to certify Joe Biden as the next president of the United States. Here is staunch Donald Trump supporter, Senator Kenny who telling congress why she decided to change her mind and ended up voting in favor of certifying the election results
1: mr president when i arrived in washington this morning i fully intended to object to the certification of the electoral votes however the events that have transpired today have forced me to reconsider and i cannot now in good conscience object to the certification of these electors the violence the lawlessness and siege of the halls of Congress are abhorrent and stand as a direct attack on the very institution my, objected, my objection was intended to protect, the sanctity of the American democratic process. And I thank law enforcement for keeping us safe. I believe that there were last minute changes to the November 2020 election process and serious irregularities that resulted in too many Americans losing confidence, not only in the integrity of our elections, but in the power of the ballot as a tool of democracy. Too many Americans are frustrated at what they see as an unfair system. Nevertheless there is no excuse for the events that took place in these chambers today, and I pray that America never suffers such a dark day again. Though the fate of this vote is clear, the future of the American people's faith in the core institution of this democracy remains uncertain. We as a body must turn our focus to protecting the integrity of our elections and restoring every American's faith that their, vo- their voice and their vote matters. America is a divided country with serious differences, but it is still the greatest country on earth. There can be no disagreement that upholding democracy is the only path to preserving our Republic. I yield the floor.
0: But many Democrats don't think that that's enough. They want to impeach Donald Trump again in the next few days before Joe Biden's inauguration on the 20th of January. The main purpose of this being it would bar Trump from viewing future security details would remove his $1 million pension and most significantly of all, prevent him from running again in 2024. But Trump's support among his loyal followers is not going away overnight. And for many, what happened on Wednesday is just the start of that action to oppose the results of the election. Get in touch to give your thoughts on what's next for US democracy. You can tweet us or DM us on Instagram and Twitter, we're at WizRadio. Text us at no extra cost, only standard network rates apply on 07807183 Five three eight. email us station at wizardradio.co.uk and all of our contact details are on our website www.wizardradio.co.uk and with three vaccines now approved in the UK and two already being distributed I want to hear your thoughts on the methods that the British government are taking to vaccinate the population as we know vaccinations are our way out of the nightmare that coronavirus has brought over the last few months. And the UK government, it has to be said, has moved very quickly on vaccines. More British citizens have been vaccinated than the rest of Europe combined. But it has been decided by the government that they will aim to vaccinate a larger number of people with the first dose of the jab before distributing the second. This is controversial as it has not been advised by the manufacturers of the vaccines. However, All data from trials suggest that the initial dose does significantly reduce the risk of getting seriously ill from from contracting the virus, if not lower its transmissibility. So I want to know if you support this idea or if you feel a smaller number of people should have been completely protected first. I asked my grandma her thoughts on specifically this, as well as her experience of getting the vaccine when I spoke to her yesterday and we'll hear that after our first break but right now for the last time before we get that first break i'm going to read out the contact details so that as many of you as possible can get in touch you can tweet us or dm us on instagram and twitter we're at wiz radio text us at no extra cost only standard network rates apply on oh seven eight oh seven one eight three five three eight email us station at wizardradio.co.uk and all of our contact details are on our website Wizardradio.co.uk. So, as I said, we'll be hearing my grandma's first-hand experiences of being vaccinated straight after the break. But right now, we're getting a song on, and the song on now is Juice World and the Kid Laroi. Reminds me of you. That was Juice World and the Kid Laroi with Reminds Me of You. So before the first, before that song, and before the break, I told you that I interviewed my grandma earlier this week about her experience um, getting vaccinated. She had her first dose this Friday, and um, I enter I interviewed her about her experiences both of receiving the vaccine, organising it, but also um, I asked her the main question that I'm asking all of you listening: whether that you support how the UK are rolling out the vaccination program, and. Um, I think she gave some very, very interesting answers. I hope um, you will enjoy the interview. So here it is. So, Granny, firstly, I'd just like to ask you, what was the process like arranging your vaccination appointment?
2: Well, for us, it was actually very difficult. Um, we found that in our area and in other areas near us, there were some practices that were making arrangements and others that weren't. And we were in a practice not very near our home. Uh, from long personal connections with that practice, which no longer really applied. So we did something rather drastic, which was not just for for the vaccinations. The practice we were in was not offering any information on their website or, and in fact, were sending text messages saying, please do not ring up the surgery about vaccinations. And we got more and more anxious because we are both in the vulnerable vulnerable group that should be vaccinated as soon as possible to make the rest of the country feel more at ease. So we did in fact um, change the obvious practice for us where we live and they were just so different they were marvelous within appointment for our vaccination that was two days ago we got the appointment for last night at six o'clock we had our very first vaccination and that was totally wonderful and so for us that was quite a big thing to do but I think it it is patchy but it's it's getting very much better so that was our experience so um, how
0: organized did the whole thing feel once you were there Um, was there like a strict time you had to uh, be there for um, how was it arranged once you were actually there
2: it was It was absolutely brilliant. We were told that it was going to be at six o 'clock and because it was dark and we arrived by cab, we arrived about fifteen minutes earlier. There were people to show us into into the the, the entrance area. They took a few details obviously, while checking our identity and asking a few questions. And then we were asked to sit on a chair and they said, you'll be called in a minute. I think it was half a minute before I was called into the main building and uh, lots of people helping. It was very busy and very, very well organized. I had the the injection probably 10 minutes after we arrived. We were then went to another area where you're given uh, a, a little timer to make sure you're all right You sit there for 15 minutes and we were probably out in 35 it was brilliant organization and very very well done and so um there's been lots of there's been
0: lots of news um coming out this week and a bit of controversy about the government's decision to um wait between giving the first and second doses of the, the Pfizer vaccine and the Oxford vaccine, so that a greater number of people can get um, the slightly lower level of protection, before, rather than giving a smaller um, group of people greater protection. Um, just personally, do you support that idea?
2: Um, I think I have to support that, because the evidence is neither way yet it's too soon but obviously if they can vaccinate particularly at the moment if they can vaccinate all the older vulnerable people it will stop us if we do get sick clogging up the itus in this very very grave situation if you ask me am i happy well of course not we we've been told we're having this next we will be called for the next shot in 10 or 12 weeks but we we intend to be as careful as as, as as we are being at the moment and I think it's probably the right decision because there's no definite scientific evidence against it
0: and so finally I'm just gonna ask what's your advice to anyone that's about to get vaccinated um, on how to prepare what to do and maybe um, something that can reassure them that this is completely completely safe and completely completely the right thing to do
2: i do advise anyone who's offered it i think it's just so amazing that in just over a year this is a possibility and uh i can't think there is nothing to prepare for it it's obviously it goes through your gp they know all your details, they arrange the appointments, and it's no more traumatic than a normal flu flu injection. It's absolutely uh, straightforward, uh, but it does mean that everybody should go on being careful until uh, the vaccine has had a chance to work. And I believe we're not covered really for at least three weeks, even with this first one. So I think it's a wonderful thing and everybody who's offered it should go for it to help to help themselves, but also to help the wider public, the general society. We need to get everybody vaccinated and people safe.
0: So that was my grandma's view on how the UK are rolling out um, the vaccination programmes and her personal experiences of how it worked for her. And um, I've had quite a few messages in just while that interview was playing with people sharing their views on um, their opinions and their views on how the UK is rolling out this programme. And I've got a text in here from Aaron who says, I just feel that there must be a safer way to roll out the vaccine than making the highest risk people all go to these mass vaccination centres. Where if one person there had coronavirus, but was asymptomatic so didn't know it, it could kill hundreds of the most vulnerable people in our society. Don't get me wrong. I have no problem with personally going to a mass mass vaccination centre to get my vaccine. I'm 17 years old and I can withstand it. But my grandma, who lives in North London, was told that she had to go to the Excel centre in East London to get her vaccine. She would need to travel to the other side of London, possibly coming in contact with hundreds of people to get her vaccine. How does that actually make sense? Well, Aaron, I completely see your concerns there. The idea that the process of getting the vaccine is in itself uh, potentially dangerous. But um, there are a few things I'd like to maybe reassure you about um, that you say in your message so you talk about the fact that someone could uh, give it to a hundred of the most vulnerable people and that could result in disaster and firstly we know that it's extremely extremely rare that one person who's positive would give it to um any more than maximum maybe two or three people we know that any numbers above that are exceptionally rare so that whilst it doesn't lower the risk of you catching the, the virus individually, it does it does really put across the, the idea that lots of people could get it from that one person is ex- exceedingly rare. So I'd just like to reassure you with that point. But to the more central theme running through your message, the idea that you wouldn't feel comfortable with um, your grandma traveling that um, that distance to get her vaccine, I completely understand that. And I think that it's something that um, the government really need to address. Um, the idea that testing centers should be near People's homes, And the only way that can be achieved, the only simple way that I can see that that is going to be possible is by introducing more and more testing centers so that obviously if there's more of them, there's a higher, a higher possibility that there'll be one nearer where you live. So um, as we heard in the interview, my grandma had a really positive experience um, getting her vaccination. Uh, it was very well organized. They didn't come into contact with many people at all everyone was wearing masks apart from the person that gave them the jab. And it really was not, um, not difficult once it was arranged. But it seems like the fact that um, your grandmother was um, given a, a vaccination centre far away is obviously concerning. And there's ways that um, she can perhaps negate the risk um, as much as possible, perhaps getting a lift from someone in her bubble. If she lives alone, maybe um, having a family member uh, isolate for a week or so and take a coronavirus test making sure they're negative and then maybe the family member could drive them or if they're comfortable maybe wearing a mask and taking a cab it it depends it's obviously down to how comfortable she feels personally but there are ways to get around it because I do think that whilst it is a risk you can minimize the risk and the risk um, of not getting vaccinated is in fact higher than um, any risk you face trying to get vaccination. So I hope my answer's kind of reassured you, but also I think your message reprompted really prompted an important point that the government need to really do their best to make sure that every every person who is getting a vaccine and is in the, that vulnerable category has a center as near to them as possible. So yeah, thanks for getting in touch there, Erin. I've got another text here from Danny who says, I was speaking to my gran about this yesterday because she was vaccinated last week And she was talking about how frustrated she is at having to wait 12 weeks for the second jab. She has had to shield for most of the past year and went to the vaccination centre, got the jab and was then told she's going to need to shield for another three weeks. Because that's how long it takes for her to get any protection at all. Then after that, she needs to wait another six weeks before she can get the second jab. So she said that she thinks she'll need to shield probably the full 12 weeks until she has full protection. That's three months of shielding. Which isn't easy for anyone. She has friends in homes who were lucky enough to get the second jab after three weeks when they were still doing that. So I think that has annoyed her even more. Well, I understand where you're coming from there, Danny. Um, my grandma said in the interview that she was personally very frustrated at the fact that she had to wait twelve weeks before receiving full protection. But I do think that um, I do I do I do think that, like my grandma said. Whilst it is very, very frustrating, it may be the best thing to do when you think about um, the greater good. Because we know that something I'm going to say now, which should be actually be quite reassuring to you as well, there, Danny, that um, your grandma wants to shield in between the first and second doses. But it's important to remember that um, the first dose does, um, lo- does significantly decrease um, the risk of getting seriously ill from, the coronavirus, even if you're in one of those vulnerable categories, so the second dose will um, lower it even further and um, increase and increase the chances of you being immune to even passing it on. So, as well as um, not getting seriously ill from it, you won't even be able to pass it on, and that's obviously what we want long term because that's how we can stop the spread of the virus. That's how we can create herd immunity by stopping the virus's spread, so that everyone vaccinated or not by the by by this point will be protected. But um, going back to your your main point, it is after the first dose, you are protected significantly. So whether the government are telling her to shield or not is a separate thing. But if she herself feels like she wants to shield for the full 12 weeks, I would say that once she's had the first dose, her protection is significantly above what she had before getting that vaccine. So that's just what I'd say to reassure her. But I also think that um, it is a legitimate concern and um, the uh, the fact that many people like you said had both doses before they start doing that just adds to the frustration and I can completely understand that it's completely um, it's a completely legitimate thing to feel so yeah thanks for getting in touch Danny I think that's a really interesting message I've got another one here from Ben who says our rollout, our rollout needs to be faster and safer the fact there are elderly people who don't even know their vaccination date yet is shocking. Every person in the top three categories should at minimum have their dates now and should have their first jab by the end of January. The NHS should be getting volunteers, people who are furloughed, opening up vaccine centres in local businesses and things like that and in pubs that are closed to get as many people vaccinated in places where not a lot load of other people are getting vaccinated. If there are more smaller centres run by one would get vaccinated closer to their home, reducing the risk. It worries me how slowly this is happening. Well, Ben, um, I completely understand your frustration. Vaccines are the only way out of this and they will be the way out of this. And this time next year, we're all hoping and I have to say expecting that life will be back to somewhat normality because of the vaccine. But I do want to say that, of course, we could do more. The government could do more. Everyone could do more to open up more centers, um, have more volunteers, distribute it to more people as quickly as possible. But I think the government do deserve some level of credit here in the fact that vaccines are in limited supply at the moment. And the UK have procured a large, large number of them. And that's led to a large, large number of people in comparison to other countries being vaccinated. What is perhaps hypocritical is that Boris Johnson is happy to compare the fact that more people are vaccinated in the UK than the rest of Europe, but is not so keen to compare the fact that more people are dying in the UK from the virus than in other countries around Europe. So that is perhaps something that is, well, not perhaps, that's something that is very hypocritical and can be highlighted as a failure in Boris Johnson's response. But the government perhaps do deserve some level of credit for The fact that many people in this country have been rolled have been given um a vaccination but one thing that you raise in the message that i completely agree with is that whilst not everyone can be vaccinated immediately i feel like something that can be done immediately to reassure people is to give out vaccination dates for everyone in those three vulnerable categories if they at least have a date to aim for even if that date is midway through February, it will be frustrating, it will be annoying, but it will be a date to look forward to. Not giving people a date is the most angering thing of all, because it creates a, a sense of uncertainty and the sense that the government have perhaps forgotten about them. And I think that's just something I'd say in response to, to that. And I'm going to move on now to a message here from Talia. And Talia is going to be the last message on this topic. And she says, we're moving ahead as if delaying a second jab to 12 weeks rather than three weeks is a 100% proven to be safe thing to do. The data isn't in on that yet. It just feels very typical for our government to vaccinate the whole country in the wrong way and for the majority of our jobs to be ineffective because of that. I just don't think the government should be taking any risks at all when it comes to the miracle cure they know. Miracle cure. They know it works after three weeks. So why would they do anything other than they know to be a 100% the safest thing? Especially because also knowing our government, they'll probably lose track of the people who've only had the first jab and are waiting on the second one. They won't know which specific jab they got and will end up jabbing people in the wrong booster jab. And it will just be a nightmare. That's a preview of this summer, though. Well, it's a negative. It's a very negative um, standpoint to, to come at this this question with. But I, I do think it's understandable. The government have messed up so many things in this pandemic that um, messing this up would be another thing that it, it wouldn't be surprising it would just be another thing to add to the list of mistakes they've made but i do think it is slightly different this time whilst the manufacturers of the drugs have advised against this this may be partly for insurance reasons they can't just suddenly say oh it works two months because they don't want to be liable if anything does go wrong but many many medical professionals in the nhs have said that um, what the government are doing is the right thing and you the NHS are not afraid to criticise the government. They're not yes men to the government who would just agree to um, what the government are doing. They have in the past criticised their response during this pandemic and um, this time they think that it's actually the best thing to do because they think that giving this first dose does give a high level, it it, it it in nearly every case it stops you from getting significantly ill if you from the virus if you've had this first jab and I think the government um, are considering that getting as many people protected to that level as possible is beneficial to an extent that is greater than having a smaller number of people under the greater protection. Because we know that if the government do remember who's being given the first jab, they should be able to. They should be able to um, have a large number of people vaccinated by the summer, and in, in the end, the same number of people will be vaccinated. It's just a question of who has what level of protection, when. And I'd like to hope that the government have not made a mistake th- when it comes to this, this time around. So yeah, thanks for getting in touch there, Talia. Thanks to everyone else for getting in touch on this topic. Um, after the next song break, we'll be discussing the horrifying events that went down in Washington this week. So I wanna hear all your thoughts on that. Just a reminder of the number you need to get in touch. It's 07807 183538. But right now, we're getting our second song of the hour on. It's CJ and Whoopty. Welcome back to Wizard Radio. I said before the break that we'd be talking in the second half of the show about the horrifying events that went down in Washington, D.C. this week. So just a reminder to anyone that perhaps missed the intro or is not completely up to date with what happened, um, supporters of Donald Trump, angry at the results of November's presidential election, stormed Congress during a session in which they were certifying Joe Biden as the next president. Um, there was damage to multiple buildings, to, to uh, multiple parts of the building. Uh, windows were smashed, um, plints were stolen. Uh, people were pictured sitting in the vice president's uh, seat on his desk, and um, four people. Four protesters um, were shot dead and um, one police officer was shot dead and um, many criticised how these people were even allowed into such a, well, su- some, a place that's meant to be such high security. And it really um, raised so many concerns about uh, the legacy of Donald Trump's presidency and um, what he's really done to encourage this kind of violence and this kind of disgusting siege on the heart of US democracy. And um, I asked your thoughts on it at the start of the show. And uh, I'm gonna read out the first message that I've got in. Uh, This one is from Oscar and Oscar says, I think that this week's siege will be seen as the boiling point. It will be remembered as the height of the nightmare that is the Trumpian era of US politics. In the movie that is made about these times, that will be the big finale scene. I know we have all said this many times before, but I literally cannot see how it could get any more destructive than what happened this past week. So my hope is that this is the end point or at least the beginning of the end. A lot of people have now denounced Trump. The Republican Party have lost a lot of support because of this week, because of this week. And now going into Joe Biden's presidency, it is Joe Biden's opportunity to win those people over to his side. Well, thanks for that text, Oscar. And um, I think that's y- your view is something that a lot of people hope for. The idea that whilst these events are so horrifying, it can't get any worse. And um, you're right. Many moderate Republicans have denounced what went on. And um, one of them was Kelly Leffler, who's a staunch, staunch supporter of Donald Trump and doesn't blame Trump for what actually went on, but still denounced what happened. And she is actually considered one of the more extreme republicans so i think if we, we heard her in the intro if, she, if we're using her as almost like a weatherstorm for the views that how how views are changing based on this then it does seem that the majority of americans the vast majority of americans are denouncing what went on but of course there is always going to be a strong majority uh, sorry a strongly voiced minority and um whether you'd like to consider the people that um, stormed the Capitol on Wednesday as a small majority or not, they've managed to get their voices heard very, very loudly. And um, the views that they present they um, possess are closely intertwined with the QAnon conspiracy. And we saw lots of posts coming out about how this is just the start and how they plan future attacks. And many pipe bombs and Molotov cocktails were found undetonated at the scene. So. Whilst it was a disgusting, horrifying event, it almost um, beggars belief to think how bad it could have got and the fact that it could have been even worse. So I'm with you. Um, I'm with you for getting it. I'm with you. Um, I'm with you, Oscar, that um, I think and I hope that this is the worst it's going to get. But I do need I do think that um, everyone in America and. In particular, Joe Biden and his team need to remain vigilant to the threat of these conspiracy theorists and these domestic terrorists who are causing so much damage to not only to US democracy, but um, to trust in the whole system, the whole US democratic system. And I think that um, that's a really important thing to remember, whether this this next chapter focuses in on Trump and how he caused this or whether it focuses in purely on the future and how we can stop it happening again. Um, there needs to be a change. And um, me and you also hope that the horrifying event will be the catalyst for that change. So yeah, thanks for getting in touch. I've got another text here from who says, this week's terrorist attack shows what happens when politicians are cowards and stand behind a leader that is bad for a country, but good for them personally. But, but look out for them personally. Look how many Republicans denounced Trump after this week. Even Lindsey Graham, who is the um, head of the Republican Party in the Senate, said that enough is enough. But I think for a lot of us, they said it. They said that too late. It's good to know where the line was drawn in the sand for them at this point, at the point when white people stormed into the Capitol building. But let's not forget that wasn't let's not forget what wasn't too much for them. Separately, immigrant children, separating immigrant children from their parents, falsely claiming a rigged election. Colluding with the Russians, nearly starting a war with Iran, Republican senators and representatives are cowards. They let things get to, get this heated. Wow, um, that's definitely a strong, a strong text there, Jack. And I think it's a view that many people share. The idea that, even the fact that, I'm going back to this, I'm going back to this, but um, that Kelly Loeffler said that she was planning to vote against the certification of the election. It's almost unheard of that a large proportion of a party would vote against the certification of, of the democratic votes of the people they represent. It, it's almost unheard of. And the fact that it took a siege in the capital to change her mind and many other Republicans' mind says a lot about the state of their democracy, that um, it had to get this bad. And I think that you list a whole you list. A whole line of things that have been tolerated by allies of Trump. And I think that if you if you make this, we, we can broaden this out to a much more general point. That in politics, the only way of getting promoted in such a, a closed environment is to impress the people above you, whether, uh, whether they're in your party or donors to your party. And often in politics, that means that many people sacrifice what they actually believe in or are just willing to go along with something. And I think that that is a, a shameful reflection of how the system is built in America but not just in America Um, we've seen that in lots of countries and I think that um, things need to change so that politicians feel more able to express what they actually think is right rather than to just go along with what's happening to get a promotion (laughs) but that said we don't know if these politicians were just doing it to get a promotion and agreeing to what Trump was doing and all that, or whether they actually strongly, deeply agreed with what he was doing. And for some people, they'd actually respect that more. They'd say, "Um, I disagree with you. I think what you're saying is abhorrent, but at least I respect that it is your opinion. Other people would be even more angry at the fact that people held those views that they view to be absolutely abhorrent. So there there are two ways you can view you can you can look at it. Um, Whether you think people are just going along with something that makes them weak or whether people or actually believe views you find disgusting strongly and maybe that in itself is more dangerous that people actually hold those views very strongly so yeah thanks for getting in touch there Jack and you raise a whole host of issues that I hope I've addressed at least partially and um, yeah I think that's a really interesting a host of really interesting ideas that you brought up there um, I've got one more text here from Greg and Greg will be the last one before our final break and Greg says I think the legacy of the riots in Washington DC actually be what happened on social media when twitter facebook instagram snapchat tiktok youtube pinterest twitch and reddit all blocked trump from their platforms we can question the timing of these platforms which is interesting in itself but the fact that trump now has no mainstream platform at all the most he has probably the most he has is probably his newsletter maybe his website he can reach thousands of people but not the millions of people he had access to for the past few years. I don't know if that means there's going to be a very angry underground revolt or if this is the end of the road for the movement, but this is really significant. Well, Greg, you've raised an extremely important point, a point that we've discussed many times on this show, the idea of censorship and in particular censorship on social media. We've had the debate many times on on this show about whether censorship actually causes people to think hang on a minute they're banning us because they think we're right and cause an angry revolt as in your words or whether it just silences the movement whether it stops new people from seeing this content and therefore stops more people from getting influenced by it and um, Donald Trump is the president of the United States not it won't be for much longer but he is the president of the United States and the fact that we're talking about the president and not some uh, some small uh, fringe extremist like, I don't know, in the UK, Katie Hopkins or Tommy Robinson, is honestly astounding, the fact that it's the president that we're talking about here. But going back to the original point of what it does, I'm actually going to come down with my opinion quite strongly on this. The idea that I think it does decrease the number of people that are influenced by, um, by what's being put out. And decreases the number of people the information is being spread to. But I think for the people that are are already influenced, are already convinced, it only strongers, uh, that's not a word, it only strengthens um, their their views and only entrenches their thoughts about what's going on. And I think that that in itself could be more dangerous if you've got a smaller group of people that believe it even more strongly they can still cause a lot of damage. So I think that whilst it's definitely, definitely a positive step that um, the social media organisations did, perhaps, as you said, it's too late. And that if they did, it, if they did this earlier, then um, the information could have been spread to less people and we may not have seen what we saw on Wednesday. But thanks for getting in touch there, Greg, and it's a really interesting point you raised. So we're gonna get our final song of the hour on now, it's Taylor Swift and Willow. And after that, we'll be discussing more of your opinions on what's next for U.S. democracy. Welcome back to Wizard Radio. Playing then was Taylor Swift and Willow. So before the break, we were discussing what the legacy of this week's siege on the U.S. Capitol will be for American democracy. We've had a variety of texts in so far, and I feel like we've had quite a good discussion on What really caused this? And also if this will be kind of the climax of the troubles or whether it will continue into Joe Biden's presidency. And um, we've got another text in here from Charlie. And Charlie says, I'm sorry, Matthew, but I don't think this is over yet. Did the Democrats calm down after Trump had been sworn in as president and Hillary had stepped aside? No, I don't think the Republican base is about to calm down just because Biden becomes president and because of the activity of the past few days. My country is so divided right now, and neither side can understand the perspective of the people on the other side. To the Republicans, even those that weren't pro-Trump, they think Joe Biden is dangerous and he doesn't reflect their values. Just like for the Democrats, Trump didn't reflect, reflect their values. Politics is just that divisive in my country right now. I don't see the situation calming down, and, calming down anytime soon. Well, Charlie, that's a view that I've seen from lots over social media and a a really interesting point of view. But one thing that I would actually disagree with you on is the fact that you kind of said that Joe Biden, people really like detest his views and um, he doesn't represent them. And I'd have to say that one of the biggest criticisms I've seen leveled at Joe Biden is actually the opposite. The fact that he's too mild, the fact that um, he almost doesn't have strong enough views. But I think that that's perhaps why the Democrats chose him because they thought that many people who voted for Trump in 2016 voted for Joe Biden this time, because they were tired of the antics. They were tired of the the drama and they wanted someone calm and they wanted someone who was um, almost like the typical boring politician. That's what many people saw Joe Biden as. So that's one thing I would point out, but the statement that your country is divided, cannot be argued. It can't be disputed. You just have to go on Twitter for a single day and see that. And what is perhaps the most interesting thing about that is the one line you put in the middle of your text that um, neither side can understand the perspective of the people on the other side and understand is the most important word there, because I think that it's completely fine to have strong political views and it's completely fine to detest the other side's political views because When people say, um, oh, it's politics, you can can do this afterwards, whatever. Um, It's only politics, whatever. Well, politics affects people's lives and impacts how their lives are lived. So it is important. It can't just be discussed as that. But one thing that I think is the most important is in that word understand. You can hold a political view very, very strongly, and you can detest another's political view. But you can still attempt to understand where they're coming from. You can hold a really strong view that the election was completely stolen, but also try and understand that for many people, Trump caused a lot of pain and they want to uh, be away from him and move away from his presidency. You can also um, be completely, well, know for a fact that the election wasn't stolen, that the elections um, were completely fair and that you want to get rid of Trump and move to something more normal, but also understand that for many, Trump was the answer to a lot of underlying social issues and underlying feeling of being ignored in their own, in their country for a very long period of time. So you can understand both points of view while still holding yours very strongly and um, disagreeing with the other. So that's what I'd say. That's just my, my personal opinion on how this, these divides can be overcome. You can hold strong opinions and you can detest the other opinion, but you can at least try and understand where the other is coming from and not always assume that they are evil, evil people who want to cause damage. The The, the people we saw on Wednesday are perhaps the except no, they are the exception extremists that are, riot, that are rioting inside the Capitol building with weapons. They're, they're an exception. But for the majority of people and the the constant um, disagreements we're seeing online that aren't violent, they're just um strong disagreements where nothing's really, no one's really budging. I think in those scenarios where no party's threatening violence, they're just very, very entrenched in their own views. I think that attempting to understand the other will perhaps be what allows uh, something, what allows both parties to unite a bit more. So maybe I've waffled a bit more, a bit there, Charlie, but I think that is perhaps my response to how your country can be a bit less divided. Um, So, yeah, thanks for getting in touch there. But I'm going to move on now to another text. And this one is from Adam, who says, I think the Republican Party now find themselves in a similar position to where the Democrats did four years ago after Hillary Clinton lost the election. To borrow a phrase that's been said a lot in the media recently, they are in the wilderness. A lot of Republican leaders have denounced Trump. It's clear now that a majority of the country are deeply opposed to Trump and his views. But the party doesn't know if they have enough support to keep forcing this divisiveness to win the next election or if they need to try something new and if they do try something new what should that new thing be well, i think a moderate would probably help the republicans win the next election but the siege in the Capitol is representative of everything that trump has done to the party he's burnt down the trees and left them in the wilderness well adam that's a really really interesting text And the analogy you use of um, the wilderness is something that um, I really, I really understand the idea that they're almost lacking direction. And um, it's important to remember the most important thing in all of this from a Republican's point of view is that Donald Trump is huge in the Republican party. He has a lot of power. He has a lot of influence and that can't just be dismissed. And, um, It will be very difficult for anyone who wants to run for the Republican Party to win the primaries against Donald Trump in 2024 if he decides to run, which he's already said he will do. So I do think that um, that's that's something that people should perhaps bear in mind that Donald Trump does have a lot of power within the Republican Party and it will be difficult for Republicans to move away from his brand of politics while his grassroots support is still so strong. So yeah thanks for getting in touch there adam um i'm going to move on now to lewis and lewis is going to be the final message of the show and he says i think the actual legacy of the siege on the Capitol and the terrorist attacks that happened there is actually in the hands of joe biden this could be the moment where the point boiled over and with biden as president everything calms down or it could be the moment when the actual divisions in america were brought to the surface And it makes things even worse puts more people against each other the next election is also a big element if ted cruz becomes a republican candidate he is just a trump dummy trying to replicate everything trump is it's all up in the air well lewis i think i'm going to focus in on what you've said about joe biden because i think that's such an interesting point everyone understandably and in my opinion rightly so has been criticizing trump for inciting this and for not denouncing what's gone on and for encouraging the horrific acts that we saw on wednesday but i think more of a focus does need to be on joe biden because he has an opportunity now taking over in the midst of chaos to really set out a stall and say at the end of this four years it started like this with chaos and looting at the Capitol and it ended like this with a calmer situation with hopefully coronavirus under control and all these things you can point to because one of the criticism leveled at Donald Trump is that he always celebrated how he'd um, presided over a really strong economy and many Democrats said well actually it's because Obama had left it in such a strong state so it could perhaps be almost a blessing for Biden to come in at this lowest of low points in American history so that the only way is up that said if he goes down from here it will almost be irreversible and um it's without saying a huge, huge job that he has ahead of him to um, fix the country that everyone really looks up to as the biggest, one of the biggest, most powerful countries in the world. So I think that's a good place to end it, really, um, with the last line of your text that it's all up in the air. And I agree with that, Lewis. Everything's uncertain. We don't really know what the future is going to be. But Joe Biden has an opportunity now to turn the country around and um, try and ease many of the tensions that are raging in the united states right now so i'd like to to just say thank you to everyone for listening and getting in touch this hour if you miss any of my show it'll be available for the next seven days on our website www.wizardradio.co.uk forward slash repeats go to the sunday section uh, scroll down to 3pm and click on me there um up next is madeline molly but first it's time for the news and the weather